Hey, this is Zach Miller, and you're listening to the New Rules of Investing podcast. This is where investment businesses grow. We talk about everything and anything that might help you build your financial services practice, from marketing to practice management to social media. Uh, we're there for you. You can find this podcast on iTunes. You can also find this podcast in archives of other shows on my blog, newrulesofinvesting.com. Again, this is Zach Miller. Please give us any and all feedback you have, good or bad. We're trying to make this show very useful for you. Today's guest on the show is Michael Kitsis. Uh, he's a industry consultant. He's a nationally recognized speaker, sought-after commentator on financial planning issues, and he writes extensively on a broad range of advanced financial planning topics. It's a great interview, and we'll just jump right in. So uh, you're still on the road, or you're, you're back in the office? Uh, I'm back in the office for a little while here. I'm... Uh... I'm back in the office for another day or two, and then Thursday I fly out to San Francisco, and I'm out there for uh, almost a full week. Is that typical of your schedule? Are you, are you a, a road warrior? Yeah, I'm a bit of a road warrior these days. Um, it, it varies a little with the season, and May is by far uh, the craziest season for me. Uh, we get a huge flurry of conference activity basically running from uh, after mid-April when individual income taxes are due until the end of May when kind of the summer season begins and you can't pin anyone down for conferences anymore because they're traveling with their families and doing summer plans. So this this about six-week stint from uh, the end of April until the very end of May just always gets crazy for me every year and this is just kind of par for the course so uh i'll I'll probably be out at eight or nine different conferences in the span of a month wow which basically means i'm traveling a couple of times every week but um but then it wraps up so after that i'm i'm back to a more relaxed schedule of just being out maybe once or twice a month which uh is not bad through the summer not too bad do you, do you work a lot? To, do you work directly with clients, or is it more like a sort of a one-to-many uh, distribution? Uh, most of my work now is uh, is a one-to-many. I still have an affiliation back with a planning firm itself, and they they get a limited portion of my time every uh, every week and every month. But the majority of my time, and certainly all of my writing activity and all of my speaking activity is directed out to uh, a one-to-many format. And even in the context of the firm, most of the work that I do for them is these days is supporting a lot of the advisors behind the scenes Mm -hmm. on whatever issues they're dealing with. I'm not spending a lot of time in uh, face-to-face client meetings with them. And I'm not keeping a personal client base on my own at all at this point. Uh Well, it's much more scale. Your model is much more scalable, right? I mean, theoretically. Yeah, I mean very much so. I, I but you know the the traditional financial planning core model for what it is is you know you 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 collect your group of clients and you serve your group of clients and and that's just that's not really what I'm doing. I'm ultimately in much more of a B two B format mm-hmm. of serving other planning firms in various ways, and that includes the conferences and the conference activity and the writing and the general education speaking stuff and it, it all kind of blends into that bucket do you find yourself helping more on the practice management side or more on um i mean you're you're you're, you're an informational source for them of all sorts so um wh- yeah my where's your focus historically i had been 
historically I've been much more focused on the uh, the technical side and doing lots of you know good old fashioned kind of hardcore technical knowledge, tax law and estate law and things like that. Uh, it's been starting to shift over the past uh, I don't know year or so though that I'm blending in a little bit more practice management content into some of the topics that I'm covering and some of the things that I'm writing. My newsletter itself is is fairly dense and directed on the technical side. That's you know kind of literally how, how the angle uh, uh, for which it's sold. But a lot of the blog writing I'm doing is getting more into the practice management space. Some of the podium time I'm having is more into the practice management space. And I'm getting more and more questions offline into the practice management space just because I'm 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 out there so much. I'm doing so many things. I'm talking to so many people. Like I see a lot of practices and what people are doing, what's going on, and I see a zillion sessions because I'm at so many conferences. So I end up with this kind of interesting finger on the pulse of the profession kind of feel uh, just from the amount of activity that I'm doing and how much I'm out there. And so some of that is starting to blend over now as well. Uh, it's a great viewpoint. So what are some of the uh, the hot-button issues, I guess, that uh, that you're saying? Obviously, I know you're, you've been writing about social media. Um, can you talk about some of the issues that, that advisors or uh, planners are uh, you know sort of bubbling up to you? Well, I think we're seeing two challenges in the – in the social media space for uh, advisors, and, and frankly, they're two kind of b- big issues. Uh, number one is for many or most advisors who aren't particularly familiar with it, especially given that, um, uh, especially given that for a lot of advisors, uh, they're you know baby boomers. They're of a demographic that hasn't necessarily quite been engaged in, in social media. There's been a perception it's been you know quote the kids and the young people. Uh, so the the first issue that we've seen is simply uh, a lot of advisors saying, you know, I I just don't get what the big deal is. Someone's got to tell me. You know, just sort of this 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 perspective and framing of I I don't understand what all the hubbub is about social media. You know, as as um, I sometimes uh, joke, and as we actually loosely named one of the sessions that I did for a conference recently. Um, you know, we titled the session "Social Media." It's not just about what you ate for dinner last night, right. and and I think there, there's sort of this loose perception out there from a lot of advisors of like that. That's what you're going to be broadcasting. I don't understand why anybody cares what I ate for dinner last night and why sharing that in the social media platform is going to get me clients, uh, which is a valid concern because it won't. So, uh, so I think the the first piece we've seen we're seeing is just sort of educating and re-educating uh, the advisor community around what what is social media and the social media phenomenon, what, why does it matter, and then sort of the next step further, which is getting into and, and why is it actually good for you and your business to be engaged in this area. And so uh, so if, it, if it's not bringing them clients, um, which I tend to agree with, certainly not yet, um, why recommend using social media? Well, there are a few reasons. Uh, the first is it's an unbelievable tool for enhancing your relationship with your existing clients, uh, something that I think uh, a lot of advisors grossly underestimate. Now, you know, you'll have to gauge your own comfort level and your client's comfort level with this. And uh, I know for a number of advisors, the best practice is simply becoming ask your clients. 
but you know, are you friends with your clients on Facebook? Do you follow them on Twitter? Uh, you know, it's not so much about broadcasting to them as simply having it as another listening tool to know what's happening in their lives. And you find all sorts of fascinating things. Uh, you know, we we uh, we post, frankly, we, we post some remarkably personal stuff. Even the Twitter, we post even more personal stuff sometimes to Facebook. Uh, and you know, if you're a friend of your clients on Facebook, along with everybody else, you're going to hear all sorts of things. I mean, I know advisors who found out their children were going to have another baby because it was announced to their friends on Facebook before they bothered to schedule a meeting with the advisor to come in. <laughs> right. uh, you know, job changes, births and deaths in the family. You know, I, I mean, major stuff happens in our lives, and we want to share it in our social network uh, because our social network is our friends and our peers and the, the people we want to share with. So you know, why, why would you not put yourself in the position to be part of that network where things are getting shared? Um, there was a session from a technology consultant named Bill Winterberg at a recent conference who made the point, you know, he had put out a tweet on Twitter uh, a few months ago basically sharing his excitement that his son had finally been accepted to daycare so he was going to be able to uh, ramp up his consulting work a little bit more. And, you know, it was, in the, it was a neat tweet, and a bunch of his friends said, you know, congratulations, looking forward to having you, you know, doing more for the, the planning world. But as he pointed out, you know, if you were my financial planner, what, what a load of information there. Uh, everything from, gee, does Bill know how to properly claim the child and dependent care credit now that he's going to have a child in, in daycare, to oh, he's going to be ramping up his business a little bit more. Does he have a SEP available for his uh, self-employed retirement uh, uh, savings? And you know, the, sort of the list just goes on and on of all the different very direct and overt financial planning opportunities that you become aware of from one simple 140-question uh, character tweet. So you know, the first thing I think we've been trying to convey more recently to advisors is just to help them understand you know you, you don't have to broadcast anything this isn't like a giant mouthpiece just engage in social media to listen to the people that you already want to be connected to and you're going to learn a lot whether that's getting a handle on what the buzz in the industry is because you're following everyone on twitter to hearing about what's going on in your clients' lives because you follow them on Twitter and you're friends with them on Facebook and you're looking at what they're posting. I mean, so and so the methodology is at least the, the initial purpose, this sort of listening device um, to get a better feel on the mood of, of your of your client base and your peers. That shouldn't pose too big of a compliance hurdle, should it? I That poses a zero compliance yeah. hurdle. You're just listening. Yep. Uh, and and you know circling back on that, I mean, without a doubt, the 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 second major issue that's out there is compliance. You know, number one for advisors is I I just don't understand why I should even care. And number two for advisors is oh, oh gosh, is this a compliance nightmare? And you know the 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 general reality of what we're seeing, no, it's not a planning nightmare, but. Uh, or a compliance nightmare, but yeah, it's a little messy and it's got some of its own uh, rules and requirements that you have to deal with and that you have to be cognizant of. 
So you know, we are trying to steer advisors in, in that direction to make sure that they're compliant. But, but you know, round one of this, as you just highlighted, r- round one is pretty straightforward. Round one is, is just about listening and turning on the listening, which has nothing to do, well, almost nothing to do with the compliance end. You're not writing anything. You're not broadcasting anything. You're not putting anything out there that's going to get you in trouble. You know, the, the biggest thing you would probably have to watch out for on the compliance side is simply checking to make sure that clients aren't doing things like uh, posting things to your Facebook page that could be viewed as testimonials Mm -hmm. because we do have some compliance rules about that. But short of just being cognizant of what people are posting about you on your page and making sure that it doesn't run afoul of any of the social media requirements, uh, you're, you're really quite flexible in what clients post about you because it's mostly listening. You're not broadcasting the things that, shall we say, get, get you in the most potential hot water for the social media side. Michael, can I ask you a question? So, you know, the vast majority of advisors, uh, you know, aren't going to see business, uh, you know, from adopting, you know, social media right now, um, particularly in planning as opposed to like the stockbroker industry, which is, has much, I think, a much mm-hmm. higher hurdle. Um, are we seeing at least lead gen? Are we are we seeing the, the the top of the funnel at least to get people into meetings? Like you mentioned on your blog, obviously you need to sit. For most people, you need to sit and actually close the deal, you know, in person. But are we at least seeing the initial phase of of, of prospecting occur? You know, we we are we are seeing a few phases of prospecting that that occur, and it it happens a few different ways depending on the exact. Uh, on the exact circumstance. So one version of, of the prospecting that we're seeing is the folks who take their social media focus and actually make it fairly narrow within a, within a community. Now, community itself is sort of a fine line. There's, there's kind of your close local community, and then there's you know, the world community. But we've seen advisors doing things like building a very strong local presence in their local community by getting connected via Twitter to uh, the movers and shakers in their local community, by getting published in the media in their local community, You know, really using the social media to build on the other activity that they're doing to make themselves very visible in their local media. And having a lot of success with this. So in this context, you know, it's 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 kind of about becoming your your little local celebrity that's very well known in your community and therefore very easily referred to. And we're seeing some people have some success in that space. Frankly, for for many years in history, people have been having success in that space uh, by you know, writing articles for their local paper and trying to be visible in their local media. But they're using the social media. To enhance it much further. Uh, another direction that we've seen with some success in the uh, social media front is kind of using this way, I like to call it a, a way to be more discoverable. So if you want referrals, people who are looking for you in some way, shape, or form have to be able to actually find you. So what is your niche? What is your specialized area for? What are you known in the financial planning world? And if you're known that way, uh, that's wonderful. But if you're known that way, how do people actually find you to find out that you're there and you're doing what you do and that you're available to them for financial planning services? So 
you know, if you have a niche, do you write about your niche? You know, specialize in work with young parents having kids. Uh, do you write articles about young parents having kids? Do you put that on your blog? Does your Twitter account cross-post things that you've put up on your blog? Uh, does your LinkedIn account mention things that you've put up on your blog? So that someone who's looking for, you know, financial planning tips, tips for young parents finds you and your content almost immediately because you're putting it out there in a way that can be found. And the more social media you're engaged in, the more ways that people can find your content the more likely it is that you can attract clients for them. So, so you're talking about creating a discoverable web presence. Um, are we? Yeah, you ultimately you 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 have to be discoverable. I mean, in in today's world, it's not just about. Um, in today's world, it's it, it, even in the context of folks who say, "Oh, well, I get most of my clients from referrals." Well. They may ultimately come to you because they got a referral, but what does any normal client do these days when they get a referral to someone? They go on Google, they type in the name, and they see what comes up. So, you know, one of the questions that I often put forth to advisors, you know, quite quite seriously and literally, if your clients typed your name or your firm's name into Google, what do they find? And is that going to be something that reflects well on you? Mm-hmm. I mean, so this is so this is social media low hanging so, fruit, right? Well, it is and it isn't. Again, you know, you, some advisors are generating activity if they have a well defined niche by actually drawing interest to to people who are searching for their niche. So I'm I'm looking for someone to help me with this particular kind of planning issue or this particular specialization and lo and behold I find you and you do that because you broadcast it on on your social media network more often though it's a little bit more it's a little bit more generalized than that and what we don't see is an inquiry of hey you you do this specialized thing therefore I want to work with you it's sort of the derivative version of it which is someone referred me to you and that was ultimately my original entry. But when someone refers me to you and I start looking you up on the Internet, do I find a rich, you know, a rich res- group of resources and a whole lot of information about you and all the neat things that you do and all the ways that you're out there, which suggests to me you're a really strong advisor who knows what they're doing? Or if I go ahead and do a search on social media and a search for you on the internet, do I find, you know, nothing? I have to go through three Google pages of searches just to find your firm. You have absolutely no visibility out there, which, you know, at some level makes me worried. Well, maybe you're not that good or doing that much because if you were that good, why is it so hard to find you? So, so so what's, what are some of the practical things that there's sort of aura of, being findable and being discoverable that supports a referral. Mm. So are there, are there practical things that you, you tell clients or through your newsletter, you know, you're that guy who shows up, you know, three pages on Google and, and barely that, if any, you know, what are you telling them to do is just go out and and create a blog and and start writing. Um, you know, to, to some extent now you again, how exactly you go about implementing that depends a little on you and your practice and what you do. You know, to say the least. Um, you know, if if you really hate writing, uh, creating a blog is probably not for you. Right. But you know, you there is value to being out there. So creating a blog might not be for you, but uh, hiring a ghostwriter might be for you. Mm-hmm. 
and doing something else to get yourself out there may be good for you. So, you know, the thing that, that we encourage uh, to remember is it, 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 it doesn't have to be all about you and what you personally do to put yourself out there in social media. It's about what's being done on behalf of you and your firm. So do you have other staff members? Is there someone else who can maintain some of this activity? Uh, is there... Have you been mean to you know reach out to a firm to get some marketing guidance anyways, and a marketing firm could help do some of this or coach you through some of this? Uh, do you simply need to go out there and hire a ghostwriter who would do some of the writing for you because you don't really want to do the writing, but you need a a, a presence out there? You know, it, it's it's all uh, it's not all about what do you personally do, but yes, in essence, it's about getting you out there to start being a bit more discoverable. Um, and frankly, a blog with semi-regular content because of how search engine optimization works uh, happens to be a particularly strong tool for doing that and trying to get your name out there and being a little bit more visible and discoverable. Do, you, do your readers feel like there's some type of investment hump saying, you know, where, where if you can't show me the money and, you know, I'm not going to see direct, uh, you know, new business, um, even though, yeah, maybe there's a second, second derivative thing where people will come and Google me after a referral is made. Um, do you, do you find advisors are sort of short-sighted maybe sometimes in terms of saying, well, you know, I'm going to focus on what brings me business today. And that's still putting that article in my local paper. Cause that works. Well, absolutely. Well, and, and frankly, we don't even see advisors. It's hard to demonstrate relationship and you know frankly it's well and you know I, I as cop advisor to say well you know if I'm gonna I'm gonna do something you justify that it's works and it's delivering value I mean that's not an unreasonable focus to have in your business but at the same time yeah ultimately what I think it, it really kind of comes back to is uh, most advisors really are actually pretty terrible at marketing you know, we, we're not actually very good at all about the basic steps of marketing that help to build and develop a business. You know, because we tend to get so much of our business through referrals, we, we've kind of gotten lazy about it, assuming everything's always going to come from referrals and that referrals generates all that we need. And there's nothing else that we need to do or could be doing to support the referrals that we generate. And that the, those are really not... Uh, those are really not valid assumptions at all. You know, it, it, certainly, as we look at uh, other other firms that are out there and just uh, other entire industries, you know, it's it's not uncommon that it's sometimes a little bit difficult to justify exactly where some business is coming from relative to the dollar, but still spend them. And you know, frankly, to me, one of the greatest examples is is when you really look at marketing and branding, you know, I, I doubt there's anybody out there who specifically says, I buy Coca-Cola because they have a great brand, or I buy Coca-Cola because I saw that commercial out there. Yet, there's no question, and it's pretty well universally agreed upon in the marketing world, uh, Coca-Cola is one of the strongest brands in the world, and it leads to them being a dominator in the marketplace. And and the the research studies are actually out. I mean, I've I've, I've written about some of this on my uh, website. If you give people Coca Cola and a no name uh, competitor and ask them to drink the two, 
when they can see the brand name, they actually think Coke tastes better because they have a positive perception of the brand, even if it doesn't taste better. Even if they wouldn't say it tasted better in a blind taste test when they didn't actually know which one was Coke and which one was the no-name competitor. You know, we, we just, we view things more favorably. We actually tangibly experience them more favorably when we have a positive perception of their brand. And that absolutely holds true for planners as well. Uh, you know, we just, we're often so bad about it, we don't even realize it. You know, we look at whether social media is enhancing our perception with clients and saying, well, I'm getting client referrals and the clients are coming on board, so apparently I'm doing fine. What we don't know is the 17 other client referrals that we got who tried to search for us on Google couldn't find anything, decided we must not be a very good advisor and just never called. That's interesting. Are, are you seeing the emergence of bigger brands, stronger brands in the in the planning industry? Uh, you know, uh, very minimally so far. We're seeing we're seeing a number of planners getting a little bit more savvy about the brand, at least in their local marketplace, that who are pushing for it a little more. Who've kind of acknowledged, oh, you know, may, maybe maybe there is something to this. Uh, at, at least enough that I should probably be paying a little bit of attention mm -hmm. and doing something differently. Um, you know, where I mean, frankly, planning firms, even big planning firms, are so small that they're not going to set forth you know the, the multi-million-dollar national uh, marketing budget. They just they 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 can't reach enough people. They can't message them enough. They can't do what would really be necessary to make that work. But but you know, branding in the local marketplace becomes more relevant and it's all the things that you do to enhance your brand again to me one of the biggest issues around brand is really not uh branding for the sake of having more people show up at your door or call your telephone it's about the the second derivative part it's about when you actually do generate referrals you know what do people see what do people find do you actually give them a reason to work with you and and i think that's actually one of the areas where uh, planners are likely failing the most and and don't even realize it. You know, it, it really is about the other 17 people who were loosely referred to your website or otherwise directed in your direction, who tried to look you up and couldn't find you, or who found you but weren't impressed with anything they saw on the website when they were looking. So you know, you you actually did generate a prospect, but you never even got a chance to meet with the prospect because they were so unimpressed in today's world by what they saw on your limited website that you never had a chance to do business with them. You never even had a chance to reach out to them. And I, I think that's actually where a lot of the you know the lost opportunities really occur for many, many planners is is we we never even give ourselves the opportunity to develop business because we're actually doing such a poor job on the basics of marketing and branding and putting ourselves out there. And like you said, we don't even have the data to support that because those people never even initiated contact with us. It's not even leakage. It's just what ifs, right? Right. And, 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 and a lot of, well, it, 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 it's leakage in the true sense of marketing. You know, this was a prospect that you never got to convert into a client. Uh, most of us are so bad at the marketing that we do that we never realize we lost it though you know in in the, in the traditional marketing sense 
you know, the beginning of your marketing and client conversion process is not the point at which you have the first meeting. Mm -hmm. Your client conversion process begins the moment someone actually made a referral while you were not present and you didn't even know the referral had occurred. And the second step of the referral process is when they go out there and start searching for you on the internet. And maybe if you're even lucky enough to get this far, maybe when they show up at your website and check out what you do. And, you know, for most, so that means for most planners, you actually get around to having a meeting with your client. You're already at about step four in the marketing process. Mm-hmm. And you just counted on steps one one through three to occur almost entirely passively because you were doing a terrible job supporting them. But they are parts of your marketing process, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, because they affect if, when, and whether a client ultimately contacts you and comes on board. So you know, we look at those parts of the marketing process, and frankly, those are parts that tend to be nicely enhanced by things like social media. So can we begin? What do your clients find when they reach out to you, and how do they find you, and do, you know, can they find you? Just the most base level, are you discoverable on the internet? I mean, that's that's sort of a joke these days, but it really is kind of a challenge for a lot of planners. Like, can anybody even find you on the internet if they desperately wanted to work with you? And, and the answer for a lot of planners is is no. <laughs> So can we fast forward a couple of years and can and in broad strokes, can we begin to define um, or describe sort of, you know, the next generation financial planning business? Because I think I'm having a hard time envisioning what that may be. Right. So we're talking about some initial hurdles, just making yourself discoverable. Right. That's sort of a low bar. Let, can we talk about, you know, a few years after, you know, you've gotten the gospel out, people are beginning to, to focus on, on their marketing practices. What do those what what does what does their business begin to look like? How does it how does it work? How does it function? Well, I mean, the core of your business in terms of the, the services that you deliver to your clients is exactly the same. You're 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 still you know, you're still doing financial planning for your clients for the for the most part. Again, you know, I, I don't think we need to get to or necessarily will get to you know some world where it's like oh i'm i'm going to deliver my clients financial planning recommendations through social media and you know my you know my 10 recommendations for them improving their financial lives will be tweeted to them 140 characters at a time <laughs> i don't think that's the i don't i don't think that's the future that that we're we're going to I, there are some other discussions out there about how financial planning engagements might become a little bit more distance-based and a little bit more virtual and a little bit less face-to-face. I do think that is a trend that we may have to deal with at some point down the road. But you know, we're, I don't think we're cruising in this direction where you know, the, the, the raw nuts and bolts of financial planning happen through social media. It's not going to occur that way. Right, so the deliverables but, are the same, but what, what about, how, how are they going out and prospecting? How is that client conver- the prospect conversion cycle? Do, you know, what does that look like? Uh, good question, and, and and that I think is going to look uh, is going to look very different. And and you know, I mean, ironically, again, what it what it comes back to is, you know, we do business with people we know and we trust, and we find people who we want know and trust primarily by referrals from people we already know who tell us who we should trust. You know that that's just sort of the good old bread and butter about. Uh, how referrals and business gets done. The major fundamental difference, though, is right now 
the way that we figure out who we actually trust and who we should be contacting are occurs because we go out there and ask one of our friends, you know, do you know a good financial planner while we're having a beer? In the future, the way we find this out is I post something on my Facebook page that says, oh my gosh, I'm so excited we're having a baby. We're going to need a financial planner. Uh, does anybody know someone good? And someone and a friend of that person will reply to their Facebook page, here, check out this planner. He's on my friend. He's one of my friends and he's really good. And, you know, just things like the entire referral process may happen through social networking, through the social media platforms. That's actually where the referral will occur. And so now it becomes an immediate question of, oh, well, you know, I know this great planner. I follow him on Twitter. You should check him out. Will be will become the post that someone gets on their Facebook wall, or you know, oh wow, I turned out I need to find a financial planner that does these things, and I just saw this planner's comment retweeted, and it sounds like he's really good and knows what's going on. I'm going to reach out to him, and you know, we'll we'll start finding things by those means, and. That's that's kind of the, the social media 2.0 version when we actually get to the point where the referral itself is generated on the social media platform because one person on a social media platform refers another person on a social media platform to have the person reach out and talk to you. And that immediately gets back to, you know, to me what it gets back to is you're going to have to become much more specialized around a niche. You know, people need to know you for something. Just saying, work with my planner, he's good, is not going to cut it in the new world. Saying, you should work with my planner, he specializes in uh, folks who are, uh, uh, families who are getting started and having their first child. Oh, well, I'm getting started and having my first child. Why on earth would I not work with this person you're referring? Uh, you know, that, that's, that's how the referral process is going to start to emerge. Now, being a you know uh, as we like to say you know, being a small celebrity in your local community is a val is one valid option for how you can become sort of this this referable person. So it is possible that the way this is going to come about for you is um, you're very well known in your local community and you generate referrals in that manner. But you have to actually be putting yourself forward to be well known in your local community. Simply saying, oh well, I'm going to get referrals locally because I'm geographically here just isn't going to get it done. In fact, in a world where we're becoming more and more virtual, uh, it's actually going to become a lot harder to get referrals from folks simply because you're geographically a local, because a lot of people are going to start engaging planners on a distance basis. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be local anymore. When I can meet with my planner through you know, 3D video screens down the road that feels just as real as being across them face-to-face, um, I might not have to be tied to geography anymore, which means I don't pick the planner who's the best planner in my local area. I pick the planner who's the best. Well, I think it's, Period. it comes down to something you, you, you had just said that, you know, by the time we, we initiate that first contact, uh, with a potential client, you're already a, f- a few steps down sort of that conversion cycle. So all that marketing that goes in, all the, all the free content or, or y- y- useful things that, that planners are putting out that helps to sort of expedite that whole process. By the time they actually reach you, you know, this, the sale becomes that much easier, right? Well, not, not only does the sale become easier if you're, if the marketing they've seen for you is good, 
but but conversely speaking, um, you know, again, I, I think most planners uh, grossly underestimate how many referrals they actually generate where people come to their website or or, uh, or try to get to their website that try to start getting information about the planner to learn about them and see if this is someone worth talking to and working with. And the reality is they don't even get that far. The client doesn't even get that far uh, because they look at the basic information and they're not seeing anything they like. So there, there's never a phone call to the planner. There's never a contact. There's never an email that says so and so referred me, and I wanted to set up meeting and learn a little bit more about what you do. You know, we we many of us are such bad marketers. We don't even realize the business that we're not getting, which really just gets back to, you know, uh, how do you actually look at and evaluate your marketing? And 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 indirectly, what what part of this comes back to is we're we're actually terrible at evaluating our own marketing. You know, our marketing evaluation should start with how many people come to our website and when they come to our website, how many pages do they look like, do they look at? And can we tie the activity on our website to when people later pick up a phone call and call us and ask us for more information about our services? You know, we, we just assume the whole process starts when the phone rings and it, it that's not when it starts. So one question I ask all guests on the, uh, on the podcast um, whether they are principal investors or they're people helping professional investors build their practices. Um, what are some of the resources that, that you see um, that help you uh, in your business, right? So if you're, if you're helping other advisors, planners build their, build their businesses, um, what, what do you recommend to them to read, like online resources, whether it's free or premium, something that you find yourself coming back to as good sources of information? In terms of, of, of what am I reading to actually find information about this? Yeah, that makes you better to stay on top of your game. Well, you know, uh, uh, honestly, not, not, to, uh, uh, not to sort of drill the point home, um, but, you, you know, the, the irony is if you're looking for more information about how to get better with social media, um, many and most of the best resources that are out there are on social media. So, you know, most of the best social media consultants I've seen uh, broadcast much of their information on social media. Now, I, I suppose it's some small irony, uh, actually, sh shame on them because the people who need to hear their message probably aren't hearing it because they're not already on social media and they tend to be preaching to the choir. But what that does mean is a lot of the best information that I find on social media, I find from the people in my Twitter feed who are announcing social media tips and ideas and concepts and articles and blog posts and things of that nature. You know, the, the, the great thing about social media in the context of learning and information gathering is I don't have a single best source or um, resource that I look at except to say my resource is everything that I look at and follow on Twitter. And so I get you know, dozens of different posts and ideas and resources because I follow many people on Twitter and one week it's two good blog posts from this consultant and the next week it's one good blog post from this other consultant. You know, being tapped in the social media world means there's just this continuous flowing stream of information and you can make the decision as you're going through it to decide which which information ultimately do you like the most and which do you want to read. So, 
you know that that's part of how social media is kind of decentralizing where the best information is held. It, it's it's not about finding the one good magazine that's got the best articles in social media. It's about following ten great people who have things to say about social media and learning from all of them. And what you'll find, as with almost anything, sometimes one has a good thing to say, and sometimes someone else has a good thing to say. And if you're following many of them, you'll catch the best snippets from everyone. Can, can you give us specifics? You know, name specific people that you're following that you're finding good ideas from consistently. Oh, in terms of uh, who's out there on social media, uh, let me well, let me pull up my. Uh, your Twitter, your Twitter uh, followers here. Yeah, I'm I'm pulling up my Twitter feed and and taking a look here. Um, po- let's see here, folks who post some interesting stuff about social media. Uh, Kristen Luke, Susan Weiner, Advisor tweets, who retweet all sorts of interesting stuff from many people. Chuck Ryland. trying to think of who else always oh, start blanking on yeah me. you'll, you'll end up leaving people out that you meant to mention i, I didn't mean yeah. to put you on the spot i just um, oh no, no i like to bubble fine. up I'm ideas for, for my listeners you know i'm flipping through the list right now okay uh let's see here todd uh todd greeter g-r-e-i-d-e-r mm-hmm. Um, and are are most of these people writing about the the business of of planning? Uh, many are writing about the business of planning. Some directly do social media consulting. Uh, it's kind of spans the gap. Oh, sorry, and uh, uh, another one, uh, Bill Winterberg. Okay, you mentioned him earlier in the podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah, Bill. Bill is kind of an up and comer in the social media space. Great. Are are we going to see some you know collaboration on and and, and new tools? Um, sort of. We've seen obviously our archival solutions and things like that. Um, is there a lot of work going on behind the scenes to to try to find solutions for for this industry? Oh yeah, I think I think people are working hard. You know the the progress is slow. Uh, I think the progress is slow, but but it's it's definitely coming, uh, without a doubt. And and frankly, in many ways, I for the future for the sake of the future of the profession, mm-hmm. I, I really hope it comes, uh, because it's it's you know it's an absolutely, uh, it, it's an absolutely absurd thing to go to today's kids who are coming into the business, who eat, breathe, and and sleep social media who often don't even use email anymore because they view it as antiquated, mm-hmm. you know, to, to go to a group that and say, oh, by the way, um, you can't use social media in your communications with clients and prospects, you know, it, it, it makes us seem like we're in the Stone Age. I mean, we, we, we paint an incredibly... Uh, Sort of monolithic, uh, old school face of the industry, huh? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it 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 paints a terrible picture of, uh, it paints a terrible picture of the industry that you know 
just it it makes it seem antiquated. You know, to go to a person and say, "Okay, we need you to build a network of centers of influence and prospects, but you're not allowed to communicate with them using any tool of communication you've used for your entire life." Right. Go. Yeah. Michael, this this is like, are you, are, are you kidding? Uh, you know, the, you're, you were we're going to lose people out of the business. So why would anybody come into that? Yeah, for sure. This has been a really interesting conversation. I really appreciate your time. And uh, All right. Sounds good. My pleasure. Okay. I'll be in touch. All right. Sounds good. Take okay. care. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.